Well, we're going to continue our series on Advent today, and so you can open your Bible to Luke chapter 2, but as you're doing that, if you don't mind, put a thumb in Isaiah chapter 9. I know we've been studying Luke chapter 2 for the last two weeks. This will be our third, uh, but we are going to hit on a connective passage from the Old Testament and link the prophecy of Isaiah with the story of the shepherd's encounter. So if you're in Luke chapter 2, we're going to begin there. If you're not there yet, you can read it off the screen. But we're going to read from verse 7 to 12, and then we're going to jump back to Isaiah and read verses 6 and 7 from chapter 9. So if you're in Luke 2, say amen. Amen. If you're not, you can read it off the screen, no stress. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, regular, routine, ordinary, normal people, keeping watch over their flock by night, doing their normal, regular, routine thing. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. Everybody say, fear not. How many of you guys know that's spoken, commanded to us by God 365 times in the scriptures? One commandment for every day. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. Of great joy. That's good. That will be for all the people. All the people. That means not one single person has been left out. Every single person, every single human being is included in the salutation from the angels. This is good news of great joy that is for every single person. For unto you is born. Now let's say that part all together, please. For unto you is born. Say it one more time. For unto you is born pointing that out on purpose this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign for you he said shepherds I know you're keeping watch over your sheep but you're about to see some signs you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger nothing too abnormal offhand about swaddling cloths All mothers swaddle their babies. But it's very abnormal that the Messiah would be laid down in a horse trough. Because essentially that's exactly what a manger is. For unto you is born. For unto you is born. For unto you is born. This this angelic word, this prophetic promise revealed and fulfilled to these normal, average, routine, regular shepherds is not a new phrase in fact it's an old phrase I would go as far as to say it's an ancient phrase and the reason for that is because this phrase is being repeated because it's from Isaiah chapter 9 a man a prophet named Isaiah spoke by the spirit of God and said this in verse 6 and 7 of Isaiah chapter 9 for to us a child is born to us a son is given isn't that cool 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. What if Isaiah would have never said that? There are sermons in you that angels are going to repeat. There are sermons in you that when you speak them out, angels are going to sing them out before the throne of God. You've got to get the word of God out and share it. Just like Isaiah. That's exactly what Isaiah did. He got that word out. He penned that prophecy. And as a result, an angel repeated these words to some common shepherds on the night of Advent. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. That means he's going to carry it. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Anybody in here need counsel this morning? Mighty God. Anybody in here need strength this morning? Everlasting Father. Anybody in here feel forgotten this morning? Prince of Peace. Anybody in here right now walking through a tumultuous storm that all you need, all you're hanging on to is the thread of hope that maybe Jesus will show up and steal the waters and bring you some peace. I got news for you. Not only does he carry peace, he actually is peace itself. He is the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will never be an end. On the throne of David, notice that when the angels came, they said in the city of David. Isaiah said on the throne of David, you can see how these passages connect. And over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Forever, ever, ever. The zeal, see this little part right here you could almost leave out and the scripture would stay intact, but I think it's important that we read this together. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That makes me feel like warm and fuzzy inside. Because I know it sounds a little aggressive, but it's also comforting. (laughs) It's the zeal of the Lord of hosts that's going to accomplish all of these things. Not my strength. Not my faith. Not my execution. Not my ability. Not my purpose. Not my strengths. Not my talents. But the zeal of the Lord of hosts guarantees that everything that was spoken about this baby will come to pass in Jesus' name. So today we're going to talk about a topic that I've entitled, A Son is Given. From the words of the angel, from the words of Isaiah, and now to you guys today. A Son is Given, an ancient sermon, preaching again. How's that? Will you guys allow me to preach an ancient sermon today? All right, let's do it. So Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We know that it's everlasting. I love that passage of scripture says that the, the flower fades and the grass withers away, but the word of God will not fade for it's everlasting. Lord, I thank you that when you speak, it goes on forever. And we thank you that those words are still transforming us unto this day. 
God, I ask that you would anoint me and anoint us. Open our hearts wide. Open our minds to learn, to receive from you, not just instruction, but supernatural revelation that truly transforms the way that we do life and think about you. God, would I pray in Jesus' name that you would let me shine light upon you and who you really are accurately today in Jesus' name. And Lord, move in our spirits. God, shake us up today. Shake everything that can be shaken, your word says. And so we ask that you shake us to the very foundations of everything that we've built our lives upon that does not include Jesus. Just wreck shop today in Jesus' name. Let it just be God standing when it's all said and done. Amen. If you agree with that scary prayer, just say, I receive it. it. Be careful. (laughs) God has a way of taking you at your word, doesn't he? You pray prayers and then he answers them and then you think you're in warfare, but then God reminds you that you prayed for it. (laughs) He said, you prayed for this. Take it away, God. I don't want it. You prayed to be powerful. Then you know you're going to have to lift some problems first. You have to be strengthened over time. Tell you what, man, Isaiah went through that. The shepherds went through that when they had this experience. They all of a sudden got hit with all this fear. They encounter these angels and then they freak out. But then the angels say, hey, fear not. It's okay, don't stress, it's all good. I know you're seeing a supernatural heavenly being and that's weird. But the message that I have for you is a message of good news and great joy. So you don't have any reason to be scared. And what the angels gave them was, they gave them three signs. They said, you're gonna see these things. And then he gave them one location. He said, the city of David, repeating a bit of what Isaiah had prophesied before. Now, we don't know much about these shepherds, but at least looking at this text, it suggests to me that the shepherds had some form of biblical education. They had some awareness of the presence of God. They had some awareness that God longed to visit his people and that Advent was on its way because they knew where the city of David was. They said, oh, the city of David, you mean the humble town of Bethlehem. They knew where the city of David was. And as they turned to move forward towards Bethlehem, I kind of think that maybe they were waiting on Advent all along. Maybe they remembered some Sunday school courses in which the scroll of Isaiah was read aloud and this promise was proclaimed. And then here they are on their way to this humble town and they're knowing, hey, this is where the Messiah was born. Maybe they knew where Messiah was to be born. Maybe they recalled that. But I'm wondering, did they recognize the angel's phrase from Isaiah's scroll? For unto you is born. Were they reminded of Isaiah's prophecy? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Either way, these passages are prophecies connected to one another. The baby that the angels announced is the baby that Isaiah foretold 800 years previous. Now, that's an impressive feat within itself, isn't it? That Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the baby born, would be born 800 years after a man named Isaiah spoke by the Spirit of God and said, this is where the baby's going to be born. This is what's going to take place. How many of you guys think that's wild? Here's Here's something even more wild. That's one prophecy. Jesus as the Messiah fulfilled 300 prophecies from the Old Testament. 300 prophecies, and he only had a three-year ministry. It's not like he had decades 
to try and seek them and search them all out and fulfill them. Within three years, he fulfilled over 300 prophecies that were spoken about him from hundreds and thousands of years previous. How many of you guys think that's wild? That's wild, man. And uh, a mathematician did the work. You know the chances of that? It's so incredibly rare that for you and I to fulfill eight, not 300, eight, okay? Eight prophecies that are spoken about us hundreds of years prior. You know the chances of that? One in 100 quadrillion. What's a quadrillion, right? You think I'm making that up? Like a bazillion zillion, right? A quadrillion is a real number. I Wikipedia it, okay? It's a, it's, sometimes people think you're before the Lord. It's Google, you know? I got this info. It's a helpful sermon prep tool. Well, Wikipedia explained numbers to me. You got 100,000. You got 100 million. You got 100 billion. You got 100 trillion. You know what's after a trillion? A quadrillion. The chances of you and I fulfilling eight prophecies. Some of you guys just learned something right there, didn't you? Took it back to math class. The chances of you and I fulfilling eight is one in 100 quadrillion. So imagine the chances of Jesus fulfilling 300. Nobody can do that. Only God robed in the flesh, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, can fulfill 300 prophecies. That's the only person that can do that. Were the shepherds aware of some of these prophecies? Were they on their way to Bethlehem thinking about some of these prophecies? I don't know. But I do know this, they were awaiting it. I know they were awaiting Advent. I knew that they had acknowledged, man, we need, some, we need somebody to step in here. There's a Roman occupation in this land. We're being oppressed. We're being marginalized. And we need some peace. If you need some peace in here this morning, this word's for you. We need some peace. I need some peace. The shepherds knew that. I can tell you this. Whenever Isaiah wrote his prophecy out, I can guarantee you this. God's people were awaiting Advent. They were looking forward to the arrival of the Messiah because they were holding fast to this promise. You know why? Because they needed some peace. They needed peace, man. And, uh, you know, I know that today we may not be living in ancient Israel. We may not be living in ancient Babylon. But how many of you guys know our world needs some peace? People living in the world today need some peace. Our world is still waiting for Advent. Now, Advent has happened, but so many people live like it's to come. Or thinking that it's never going to happen because there's never going to be reprieve. There's never going to be peace in my life. I'm only going to have anxiety. I'm only going to have loneliness. I'm only going to have depression. But the reality is that Messiah has come, Advent has happened, and has taken care of all of that. Now, we may not be as oppressed or in exile as Isaiah was in, Israel, uh, in Babylon, but so much of our world today has so many connections to ancient Babylon, so many connections to ancient Israel. And uh, not unlike here, Babylon was actually a world power uh, during Isaiah's time, and they enjoyed great resource. They were actually known for their entrepreneurship. Can you believe that? Real estate was real popular. They had huge temples or, or megachurches, maybe you could call them, supreme courts of law, and social status was almost everything. Architecture, the arts, and science all increased greatly in Babylon. You guys ever read that book, The Richest Man in Babylon? That's a good book. 
if you uh, if you're looking to get your finances in order, I'd recommend it. I think it's free on like Kindle or something. It's an old book. Audible. Listen to it on Audible. I don't know why I thought of that, but the richest man in Babylon. For those of you guys trying to get out of debt, check that out. That's a good one. I don't know about you, but when I read about Babylon, I start thinking, man, that sounds like a sweet place. I don't know about you. I mean, the world is way better than a lot of people think it is, but then it's way worse than a lot of people think it is. You know, I'm reminded of how great the world is every time I see Elon Musk or Tesla. And I start thinking, yes, Lord, I agree. I lock arms with the Holy Ghost right now for that, for that Tesla. <laughs> that autopilot, God wants me to have one. I can worship in the car easier. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what I believe. I have a reason. I need that. I'm reminded of that every time I'm in an airplane. I'm like, man, people used to have to take a boat to do this, and I can go to Japan, preach the gospel for 12 days, and then fly back and be with my family before the day's over. The world's awesome, you know? So you can look at Babylon, you can look at the world, and you can say, man, this is a sweet place. But how many of you guys know this? Despite the fact that this is a sweet place, there's a whole lot of God's people that are not free. Just like Israel and Babylon, there's a whole lot of people who don't know that there is freedom that's available for them through the Messiah. A lot of people still need liberation. Would you guys agree? A lot of people need to know that Advent has happened. A lot of people in our world today, a lot of people here in this prosperous, free nation need to know that Advent has happened because they're looking for an Advent. Let me give you guys some world stats real quick, just so you can get an understanding of a little bit of what the world's looking like today. I mentioned some of the good things, and, you know, I was just kind of being funny. But there's a, there's a lot of things going on in the world today. They need peace. There are 7.6 billion people in our world right now. 832 million of those are malnourished and currently hungry. Right now. 832 million people right now are starved. You know how many people have died this year of hunger? 10.3 million. I don't know if you guys have checked in, saw what's happening in Libya. Kids over there dying of hunger. There's hunger, malnourishment, starvation that's happening in the world today. How many of you guys know we need an advent? For 862 million people on the planet right now, there is no safe drinking water source for them. None, nothing. They can't get any healthy water. 38.8 million abortions have happened this year. 40.4 million people are affected with HIV AIDS worldwide. 906,000 people have died of malaria this year. 4.6 million people have died of tobacco-related death this year. Almost 1 million people have died of alcohol-related deaths this year. And this is one that just breaks my heart. There has been 1 million suicides this year. People looking for Advent. People awaiting Advent. Catch this. $369 billion has been spent this year on illegal drugs. $369 $369 billion. You know what that suggests to me? People are needing Advent. They're needing arrival. They need peace. They need liberation. They need freedom. They need something to settle them and calm them down that goes beyond medication. They need something for their soul. They need something for their spirit to bring a supernatural peace, not a temporary high. People are looking for this. About 3.1 billion people today, now I've given you guys some practical, how about some spiritual? About 3.1 billion people today are completely unreached with the gospel of Jesus. 
Every single day, 44,000 people die every day in the unreached world without Jesus. 44,000. Now, I know that's just a statistic, and oftentimes statistics are not enough. You need stories, you need faces, you need names to move the heart. And I don't know these 44,000 people, but I know it's the, it's the equivalent of. It's the equivalent of 88 airplanes. 88 747 airplanes crashing every day and every soul on board dying. That's what it's the equivalent of. That's how many people die every single day without Jesus in the unreached world. That should move us. I can guarantee if that was on the news this afternoon, everybody would go crazy trying to remedy that problem. And yet we have so many Christians who are connected to the Prince of Peace that could care less. But this is reality. This is a world in which Advent is needed. These are tough things to digest. You read these things, you say, wow, that's overwhelming. I don't really know what I can do about that. But here's the thing. The same thing that the angel said to the shepherds is the same thing that God is saying to us today. He's got good news. He's got good news. It's not a sad story to share. What he's got to share is good news of great joy. And here's the good news for those 44,000 people. Here's the good news for all those people that the statistics represent. Advent's happened. Advent has happened. The arrival has happened. This is good news for us in the same way it was good news for ancient Israel in Babylon. The Messiah is here and peace has come. The drama and the destruction of this world can be over if we will receive it because why a son has been given. Isaiah spoke of this son. The angels spoke of this son. We know who this son is in Jesus, but what is Jesus like? What is this son like? What were the promises about this son's life? Life. I'm going to read Isaiah 6, uh, 9, 6, and 7 one more time because I want to kind of cherry pick a little bit some of these adjectives that are used to describe the Messiah because I want to make sure that we fully receive everything that God has for us through Advent. So let's read it one more time. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now this is who the Prince of Peace is. This is who the Messiah is. This is who the Son is and this is what he is like. I'm going to give you guys five points. No, six points actually from this passage of scripture real quick. And if you want to write them down, you can, because this is what you have received through who the son is. You guys ready? Number one, since the son has been given, we have a new king and we have a new rule and it's all peace. So if you're living outside of the realm of peace, you got to ask yourself the question this morning, whose rule are you living under? Because it's not God's. His rule, his realm, his dominion is a realm of peace. And to this realm and this rule, there will never, ever be an end. That means you're not going to have a day bad enough to ruin God's peace for you. You're not going to have a season bad enough in which you're simply unable to tap into peace because it's not available. It is always available to you because you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, present tense. 
It's not just for you when you pass away. It is here available now because a son has been given. Peace is the rule and there will be no end to this. Number two, the son is a wonderful counselor. Jesus is the son and here's what that means, wonderful counselor. He is an all-inspiring advisor. That means every time I have a consultation with the Holy Spirit, every time I talk to Jesus and I ask for a little bit of advice, you know what the result is? Inspiration. My dreams get bigger. My eyes get bigger because I start to see, man, this whole thing is bigger than I thought it was. His rule is way bigger, way better than I thought it was. There's so much more available for me than I thought there was. This is a realm of peace and he is an awe-inspiring counselor. If you receive counsel and inspiration and love is not the result, then go to God. He's the best counselor you can talk to. He's got the best advice you can get. And here's the thing. It's free because it cost him everything. It's free for you because he paid it all. Thank you, Jesus. Number three. The son, I know, isn't that good? Sometimes the most simple, plain truths are the most life-giving to our hearts, you know? Because we oftentimes make it so, you know, confusing and layered how to try to understand the kingdom. But the reality is Jesus came for us like we are, how we are, right where we are. He's not waiting on us to figure something else out before we tap into greater blessings. He's got those blessings for you right now. It's not about figuring it out. It's about receiving it. That's also good. I'm preaching about 44% better than you are saying amen right now. I'm just, I'm just Jesus is the son. Here's point three. And he is a strong God. The son is a mighty God. We're weak, but he's strong. He, his strength is made perfect in my... Uh, that, that, that's beautiful. What do you guys think? But we, we so oftentimes forget that because we live in a Babylonian culture, in a sense, where we're addicted to the display of strength and power, of exerting our dominance and always being number one. But the reality is, is that we serve a strong God so that we don't have to have it all together all the time. If I always have to pretend like I got it all together, then what space am I making for God in my life to show his strength through me? Every now and then, you just need to tell your friends, dude, I don't have it all together today. But you know what? I serve a mighty God. I serve a strong God. I don't boast in myself, but I'll boast in the Lord. Yeah, Ron, you got to come up here, bro. You got to get up here, bro. But I'll boast in the Lord. Is anybody with me? I'll make my boast in the Lord. I know I don't have to have it all together. I don't. It's all good because I got a strong God. I may not know where I'm going. I may not have any direction, but guess what? I got a wonderful counselor. And he's faithful to show me the next step even before I'm ready for it. He's always a few steps ahead of me. I got a mighty God. Here's number five. The son is, no, no, four. The son is an everlasting father. Now this, man, this right here is the gospel. You know what that means? That he's a forever father. That, that God is always with you, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's not an absentee father. He doesn't work too much. He's not a distant dad. He doesn't come home late every night after you've gone to bed. He's with you every single step of the way. God is a good dad and he's always there. 
And he always provides. And he always loves. And he always affirms. And he's so faithful to reveal our real identity so long as we'll spend time with him. You know, one time I was in a prayer session and I I was, um, you know, I, I mean... Over the last couple of years, we, Alice and I, we've worked a lot, you know, to get to the point we're at now with the church and everything. It takes hard work, you know, planting a church, man. I, I don't even know if I'd encourage anybody to do it at this point. You know I mean? It's hard, man. <laughs> I, I said, like, are you called? You know? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Well, don't quit, you know? And, uh, man, I've just been busy. I just, it feels like I've been a season of busy, man. I've been busy. And uh, I was in a prayer session, and I was praying. I, I, and I, I, was, I was just praying, and, and uh, the guy who was praying with me said, do you, do you feel like the Lord's with you? I said, yeah, I feel like the Lord's with you. I feel like he just laid down next to me. That's awesome, man. What a present dad he is. But you know the thought that came to my mind? He's probably too busy for all this. Sitting around. Soaking, you know, just intimately worshiping. He's probably too busy for all this, you know. And I had that thought. I said, God, you're too busy for this. And he said, well, here's my to-do list. He handed me a piece of paper. And I opened it up. You know what it said? It had my name on it. It said, this is my schedule. I cleared it for you. <laughs> That's how good the Father is, is that any day, at any time of the day, no matter what's going on, He'll clear His whole schedule for you. And He'll spend the whole day with you, and He'll hang with you as long as you want to hang. And He'll speak words of life over you so long as you'll listen. He is a faithful, present Father who always affirms His kids, not on the basis of what you've done wrong, but on the basis of the holiness of His Son's blood that covers you. This is who the Father is. This is who the Son is. This is who God is through the Messiah and through Advent. Number five, the Son is the Prince of Peace. Now, I know we say this all the time. He's the Prince of Peace. And that's a good thing because our world needs peace. And I need some peace of mind. I need some peace of mind in the midst of my grind. I need something. You know, I think it's important to note the, the peace and the grace that God provides ensures that everything you're supposed to get done today, you'll get done. So long as you're intimate with the Father, it guarantees you'll end up right where you're supposed to be because a place is not your destiny. A person is your destiny. And His name is Jesus. And so long as you walk with Him, you'll land right where you're intended to. And He said, I'm the Prince of Peace. Now, when we think of peace, we think of peace like, oh, peace, peace, deuces, bro. You know, it's like, that's what we do when we think of peace. That's peace, peace and love, man. But peace to Jesus and to the Hebrew mind was so much bigger, so much more grand than our definition of peace today. Because this is the Jewish word, shalom. The Hebrew word, shalom. You guys ever heard that word before? When I go to New York, I hear that word all the time. They think I'm Jewish. I don't know why. Even when my beard's longer, like, shalom. I'm like, shalom. You know? <laughs> and and that, that, that's, you know, that's fun. But I had to look the word up because I thought, it's not just a, 
exchange, for peace. The word is actually a big word for peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. Peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity. Did y'all get that? Prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. So if you ever wanted to know how God ran his government, it's peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. If you ever wonder what God's plan was for his reign or how things were supposed to be led, it is peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. I need some more tranquility in my life. What about you guys? Come on. And here's six. And justice and righteousness are the foundation. Jesus is the son and his kingdom is built upon a strong foundation. What is a foundation? Foundation is what the whole house is built on. Take away the foundation, the whole house falls down, right? And so whenever Jesus said, I'm going to build my kingdom, he said, here's where I'm going to start. How many of you guys know what you start with is what's most important? So he starts laying a footer. My papa was a mason. I used to work with him every now and then, reluctantly. Not a Freemason, a brick mason. So he's laying a footer, you know. You got to clarify these days. He's laying a footer. What you put down first? Foundation. You know what's crazy about the foundation, though? Some people kind of despise the foundation as they grow because they want to decorate. You see what I'm saying? So they want to talk about all the little extras. Maybe they're not as important. Maybe they're not even scriptural. Maybe they're not even included in the Bible. Maybe they're not even included in the history of theology. But people want to talk about them and go nuts all over them. And this is the thing they base their faith on. But God said, well, here's what my kingdom's based on. Justice and righteousness. So don't leave this behind in the midst of you building your mansion in the sky. Don't leave justice and righteousness behind because that's what the whole thing is built upon. That's the crazy thing about the foundation, man. People forget about foundations because they end up covered up. But I promise you, you would miss the foundation of your your home if it was taken away today. Right? Foundational theology, foundational revelation, foundational understanding is so important for us to hold on to, for us to cling to, for us to keep intact in the midst of us growing in stature. In the kingdom of God. What's the foundation? Justice and righteousness. Somebody say holy. Holy. Dang, we should say that again. Holy. Holy. Holiness is a foundation of the kingdom of God. Should we just leave that there? Holiness, that don't matter anymore. It's about this revelation over here. It's about understanding all these things. We got to get scientific with it. We need to Google it and encyclopedia and figure all these great things out. We need to look at, you know, physics. And no, no, no. God said that ain't the foundation. Ain't none of that the foundation. That's great. You want to talk about it, podcast about it. That's great. But here's the foundation. Righteousness, holiness, and justice. Y'all ain't getting this. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I'm preaching like two people. You guys get what I'm saying? How many people have you heard that want to throw away holiness in the midst of talking about some greater revelation? But God said if you're going to build it that way, you'll build it on the sand. You won't be able to withstand any storm because that's not the foundation. Well, I've evolved. Well, your house is falling apart. But it's decorated nicely. I can see that. You got a lot of followers. But it's weak. <laughs> Ain't no holiness. 
Dang, okay, y'all wasn't ready for that. But that'll preach right there. That's a sermon series within itself. That's why Paul said, Paul said, hey, he said, hey, Corinthians, who bewitched you? You know, he said, who, puts a, who put a spell on you? Who's done work some witchcraft in your mind? Got you to forget about holiness. You know, you done moved on to something else and called it theology. You're under a spell. Dang, we can preach this all. I should kick this lint. Kick that over. So if you look it up, it's holy judgments. That God in his kingdom makes holy judgments 100% of the time. He judges injustice. That's what he does. He makes holy judgments. And justice and righteousness are the foundation of his throne. What is justice and righteousness? You know, it's the same word in the Hebrew. Justice is getting, getting it right from, from brother to brother or sister to sister. Holiness, righteousness, getting it right between you and God. It forms a cross. It's a beautiful thing. Justice and righteousness. You can't take one over the other because they're both the exact same thing. Some people, they long for intimacy with the Father but don't care about their fellow man. Some people love for their fellow man but don't care anything about God. The reality is, justice and righteousness, this is the foundation of God's throne. This is what the Son came to bring. That Jesus is the Son, and this is what His kingdom is built upon. And, it, and God says, it's a strong foundation. It ain't going nowhere. You can't move it. You can try to move it if you want to, because you can try to displace holiness if you'd like to. But here's the thing, it ain't going nowhere. You know why? Because God put it in the ground. And what He builds, lasts. 